it goes Gataxian Probe, Wirewood Symbiote, Terminus, Wasteland, and Omniscience. Well, obviously Omniscience is seeing play because it's broken in show and tell, which we Just kind of anticipated. That. Pretty sure it's no. Omniscience. I actually had feedback from people who said they wanted to punch you. It's omniscient. Break down the word. O-M-N-I is omni, and then you have science. It's omniscience. Is your name Will I Am? Yeah, it is actually. Good evening and welcome to episode 44 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, we have all of the regular hosts. First of all, from the wilds of Wyoming, it's Adina. Hello, everybody. Some clothes on. We also have the man, the myth, the legend, Three-Legged Well. Do we have a regular host? Because you keep saying regular host, but are there regular ones? Depends on how much bran I've had for breakfast. And joining us from deep in darkest Kentucky, it's Travis. How's everybody doing? Pretty sweet. So before we get started, as always, we want to tell you a little story about our friends at LegitMTG.com. And by little story, I want to tell you that they're awesome. I've ordered from these guys. I live in the back end of Beyond. It takes about a week and a half for anything to get here from Montreal. So when I ordered from LegitMTG and it took eight days for cards to get here from Ohio, I was pretty darn impressed. And I'm not just saying that because they sponsor the podcast. I legitimately have given these guys my business and will continue to do so. Plus, their prices are ridiculously low. I know. I was listening to another podcast, and uh, Medina pointed out that he had realized that his prices were terrible, so he went on and lowered them all. So if you need some singles from uh, M13 to fill out your new decks, I would highly recommend shopping there. So, who's been playing Magic? Uh, Will, I understand you played some Magic this week. Yes, okay. I actually, you know, went out. I figured being on a Magic podcast, I should play Magic of some to some extent. Uh, so, I did. There's a, uh, there's a group of guys from my store that uh, on Thursdays they kind of have a nightly draft for whatever the format is, and sometimes we just change it up. And as it so happens, this week was M13. So, I actually showed up. And I drafted, and I was impressed with myself. So I started off drafting, and I honestly should have been paying more attention when we were doing spoilers, because I was, like, looking at these cards, and I'm like, I don't know what goes with this. (laughs) So the first pack, I drafted uh, blue-black spells, basically. Like, I had a murder, I had a rewind, I had a negate, I had a flames of the uh, firebrand. And then, being the luck stack that I am, pack two, I opened a tall rand. Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's funny, because I found, I drafted blue-black in M13, and when I finished the draft, I thought, this deck is an absolute pile. It, okay, it really is. Like, I I ended up going, I went 3-0 with the deck, because... Me too. I, <laughs> I, I got kind of lucky, but... So, I, <laughs> I got lucky, because there was a black-white exalted deck in the in the field as well, and there was also a mono-green deck that the guy had five Elvish Visionaries, two Yevas, and, like, a ton of other green cards, and I kind of got lucky that I didn't face either of those, because, wow. the I guess, if you're playing blue-black, the deck that I was playing, like, 
if someone goes like turn one or turn two creature, you're just like, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> so <laughs> unless you drafted Kraken Hatchley, I didn't. Uh, no, but uh, I did get like I got a Talran uh, in vacation, which is nice when you have a Talran in play to like three get three Drakes. Uh, I had three murders in the deck, which value kill, kill one of their creatures, get a Drake. Really good, along with, you know, insult to injury, counter spells. Uh, and the other thing that happened was, I pretty much, like, I play, was it, I went 3-0 and I played eight games. So 2-1, 2-1, Of the eight games, seven of them, I had a turn four tolerant. Oh, so, like, yeah, oh, no, I, I completely agree. And the decks that I played, oddly enough, didn't really have any removal. One guy pacifism did, which I was like, awesome, because... You know, that way I can't do anything stupid by attacking with it. Uh, but also, and this is the best part, uh, there's one of the games, so I had uh, Tauren's Invocation, right? Uh, so I mine rot the guy, I mine rot my opponent, and he discards a Tauren's Invocation. So I'm like, alright, fine. On my next turn, uh, so turn four, I play uh, Tauren's Invocation to get two drakes. Turn five, I draw Tauren, and I play him. So I'm like, all right, like we both have, I have two drakes and he has a board of nothing. And then turn six, which was at pack three, the rare that I opened was spell twine and I slam picked it because it's turn six. I went spell twine getting both of our tall rands invocations. Oh, all of the drakes. <laughs> the guy was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the techiest play I have seen in an M13 draft, and this was at FNM, uh, was a guy who was about to get hit for a, f- a five-point volcanic geyser, which would have been lethal. Yeah. He cast re- he had Talrand out. He cast Rewind, untapped his lands, and then cast another spell, rewound his own spell, getting all of the drakes, and then untapped and swung for lethal. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I remember when we were doing the, you know, M13 spoilers, and I was going, yeah, yeah, you just, you know, with Tall Rand, then you spell, play Spell Twine and Magical Christmas Land and get all the good cards. Well, I was in Magical Christmas Land right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not happy. So yeah, so I got a nice uh, seven Drakes out of that. And I yeah, won that game. pretty sweet. But yeah, I, like, honestly, I, I was drafting the deck, and the entire time I'm like, this, like, deck is just a pile. And then I ended up playing, but I was playing against people that, you know, uh, one of the decks that I was playing against was uh, a blue-red deck where he had um, uh, the Mythic Dragon, he had Neferox, and he had a Hamletback Giant. Like, those were his three big cards. Aside from that, like, it was a bunch of Dirtles, which, like, my Drakes can easily trade with Dirtles all day. But when it's, you're just playing against, like, fatty decks like that, you can just, you know, murder them or Essence Scatter them, because I had two Essence Scatters, which also came in handy, and it just, like, the deck just kind of gets there, as long as, you know, the guy doesn't play anything the first, like, or girl plays anything the first two or three turns. Yeah, I noticed, like, with mine, I had a similar thing. I had, like, Murder, I had Archaeomancer, uh, but uh, the house for me was Zathrid Gorgon. That thing is ridiculous. Okay, I didn't have that. I did have... Um, like there were there were a bunch of legends that were around, and I happened to get the clone. So like, oh, yeah. if I didn't have murder, I had you know to get rid of Neferox, I had a clone. I then also had a, a JM Day Tomb. So in my blue black do nothing deck, I can just you know kind of 
draw more stuff. One of the best cards I've seen so far in this in this format. We had a GPT yesterday, and a guy in the top eight drafted Staff of Nin and got to the finals pretty much off the back of that alone. Card is ridiculous. My friend had did uh, four drafts at GP Columbus yesterday, and he had Staff of Nin in three of them. Yeah, the card is stupid. It's just really, really good. There's a lot of one-toughness stuff that it just picks off. Yeah. At worst, it's a pinger and a personal Howling Mind combined. And last time I checked, that was a pretty good combination. It is. Yeah, either and one of those is good on its own. I was actually surprised, though. Like The format felt kind of slow to me. It is kind of slow, unless you get the triple Rancor deck. Right. I did not see that one. But uh, like even the guys like that were like the... Uh, Black White Exalted and the uh, Mono Green deck, right? Like, there's... I think the Mono Green player was kind of playing it wrong because he was doing a lot of setting up, but it's not like... Unless you get the Exalted and you're just, like, smashing in, it's kind of slower. The Exalted deck is actually pretty easy to to hold off because all you need is one blocker. Yeah. Um, Or one removal spell. I had... Well, I had had a... Like, I had a Fog Bank, right? So, Oof. which, again, like, had I played the Exalted deck, like, obviously it's only a one-of, but if I can get that down, then the Exalted deck is basically just not doing very much. Especially when I can, like, get that down and then, say, have, like, negates in play or whatnot. Yeah. All right, in my hand. Um, the other thing I noticed about the format was that pacifism is not as good as it normally is in Corset Limited, because pacifying an exalted creature is pretty useless. They just attack with a different one. Yeah, uh, there's not... I mean, I'm sure if, I, like, pacifism against, say, the fatty deck that I play against, like, with the Nephrox, would be fine if you can, like, pacifism, you know, one of their fatties. But there's a lot of times that... Like, there's a bunch of different removal spells, and I've also found there's a lot of, like, swarmy decks. Yeah, that's what I played on Friday. I played red-white... I had all the token producers. Okay. Yeah, that's well. I the guy who I spellswined with the Tower and Inquisition. He was playing a a blue white mill slash tokens. So he had like six mind sculpts in his deck, and then oh. like every single token producer. Did he have Jace's Phantasm? He did not. No. Misplay. <laughs> now I had um, Captain of the Watch, which is a bomb. Yeah. Uh, Captain's Call. I had two Krenko's command. I had passed a Krenko in pack two to first pick an O-ring, because I was already in white. Mm -hmm. And I wish I'd had the Krenko by the end of it, because I also had a couple of Mog Flunkies, and the Krenko would have just been ridiculous. And I had Arms Dealer as well. And uh, then I had Crusader of Odric, which got insanely huge. But yeah, I I enjoy this format. Yeah, it's... I, like... Normally when I'll draft, I'll draft more as I did with, like, buddies or whatnot there. And you can draft sort of more like gimmier or techier decks, right? Like it's not really uh, kind of you're shoehorned into one thing or whatnot, or there's not enough synergy for different stuff. It's more just like, you know, draft fun, more enjoyable things. My buddy managed to draft three Jace's Phantasm, three Mind Sculpt. Someone passed him Jace Memory Adept. He also had a clone, some Kraken Hashings to hold the ground. He splashed three O-Rings, and he still managed to lose round one. Wait, somebody passed him Jace Memory Adept? Yes, they did. Which pack was what? it? Pack three. Irrelevant. <laughs> you, you, you take you it. You hate draft that all day. <laughs> that card wins games on its own. 
I still don't see how he lost. Apparently not his first game. I guess he he never drew it. No, he drew it in uh, one of the games, but uh, he was playing against Red Green Haste, and they just uh, he was only answers were O rings, so he just got stomped. So I thought his deck it was one of the sickest I've ever seen drafted. Actually, speaking of which, another thing that I had in my deck, I had the blue ring, which is, I forget what, it's the ring of what? Evosile. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, those are insanely good. Like, I, I, I figured, yeah, I like, I, I figured, like, okay, like, you know, you get a plus one, plus one counter, like, for a creature you have, but you're playing multicolor decks, so, like, it's fine, but not more than that, and... For the draft that I was doing, like they were very underdrafted, like they were coming around. Like uh, I got the the red, the haste ring, uh, in like the second go around of it. But I was just like playing it one game, and uh, as you said, you just need one blocker. Well, I had what was it? Uh, a windrake. So I went like turn two, the ring, turn three, windrake, and then equipped it, and it was just like I can block your stuff all day. So I was actually r- surprised at how pretty powered they are. Adina, you've been playing any magic? I have. I did I did play quite a bit of uh, M thirteen at the pre release course. Um and uh since then I've been kind of testing for this weekend, this this coming weekend is the, the PGQ. So I've def- definitely uh been uh, trying to decide which deck to do. I've kind of been playing with effect. Uh maybe I, I looked at Red black, uh, red black vampires because now that the uh, the flying lifelink death touch wonderfulness, yeah, the vampire nighthawk is back in, and it's so much fun. I thought maybe I could put that into the vampire deck and make it viable, and it just wasn't. I just couldn't couldn't get there. You know, it just wasn't strong enough. Uh, but apparently, red black zombies is looking pretty good, and I do have all the cards for that. So I'm taking another look at that and deciding whether that. It's going to work better for me than Infect. I like Infect. I've played it a couple of times, and it's just capable of some stupid things. I mean, playing Solitaire with it, consistently turn four, you're dead. You know? Yeah, exactly. If, if they can't deal with it, turn four, you're dead. Just period. You know? Like, if I get a really bad draw, or I play it wrong, or I mess something up, turn five, you're dead. So <laughs> it's just, it's really strong. It's really fast. Um, occasionally you get into situations where you have to mulligan a couple of times and you just don't have the cards you need. You know, you've got to have a really aggro hand. You've got to have a creature. You've got to have a spell. And you've got to have some land in your opening hand. Otherwise, you're probably going to run into some. I know there's builds out there that use Ponder, and I'm, I'm not sure that I want to remove the pieces that I need to get where I need to be to smooth my draws. But haven't we uh, learned play point, if, you, if you have access to Island, you play Ponder or Preordain or something if you can? Well, the thing about that is whether or not you have the access to the Island right away, you know, because I might have an Island, but I might not have an Island until turn three or four. So, you know, I might need that Ponder to find an Island. So there's that. The thing is with Ponder and the Infect deck, it's more to set up Blessings of Nature than it is to set up your first few turns. Yeah, and, and I didn't put Blessings of Nature in there because at at, if I'm playing that, it's overkill. Like, I, I shouldn't need that at all. You know, it enables a turn three kill, though. Yeah, but so does Wild Defiance and two mutagenic growths. So I'd rather have that. 
But that's three cards as opposed to one, or two, rather. Yeah, plus, plus four Chris, cards, Chris actually. has no answer to turn one Glistener Elf, turn two Blessings of Nature. Most people don't. I mean, even if you can block it, you're, you're not going to be able to block it profitably. It's, whatever you block it with is going to die. But what's the likelihood that you're going to miracle that on two? And not only that, but with the, with the mana build, what's the likelihood that you draw it and you don't have your green yet because you have an Ink Moth Nexus in play or you have an island in play? All right. you know? It's slim, because the, you're not playing many the islands. The point is to be positive about it, so therefore the likelihood is 100% that you do that. No, well, right. let's not be silly. But, of course, all the time. All the way, baby. The thing is, you go turn one Glistener off, so you have green. Uh, if if you have an opening hand that has uh, an untapped green source, because you're only playing uh, Hinterland Harbor and maybe three or four islands, because there's not much blue in the deck. So you have an untapped green source, you have Ink Moth Nexus, and you have Glistener Elf. You drop the Glistener Elf before the Ink Moth every time. Because right. if they kill your Ink Moth, it sets you back a land as well. Well, the other thing about Ink Moth is that it's always going to be slower because you need to spend the mana to activate it. So it essentially, right. it costs you two mana to use it, so anything else that you want to play, you have to have two mana plus whatever else you have. I only played yeah. three Blessings of Nature, and I mean, sometimes it was in my opening hand, uh, but I, uh, I would only mull it if the rest of the hand was bad. Sometimes I drew it turn two, and it hit my Glistener Elf, and I won on turn three. It, it's a risk, but when you're playing a deck like that, that is basically all in, you have no defense except for Vapor Snag, and your only hope really is to um, just blitz them before they can get set up, then you have to take risks like that in order to make your deck more powerful. What I'm finding as the weakness is if I'm playing against a deck, um, for example, Curse of Death's Hold. Basically, if they make it to turn five and they can play a Curse of Death's Hold, forget it, I'm done. Yep. Yep, you are. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, that's, that's really my challenge right now is how to sideboard against something like that that's just slightly controlling enough. Because, I mean, I've, I've played against decks where, it, you know, they remove a couple of threats and, you know, they keep it going for a while. And you get to turn, like, eight or nine, but eventually I get a creature and I either have Artful Dodge or the creature's unblockable itself, and so I can get through you know, and once I can get through, at that point, I've got the removal I need. I've already got Wild Defiance in play. Everything's all set up. So I just See, need to be able to play a creature. And so I was actually looking at putting Blight Widow in my sideboard. Oh, wow. No. No. Play Rotwolf if you need something that's bigger than 1-1. One, one. That was the other card that I was looking at. I was looking at Rotwolf. Um, it's just a little bit better than, I mean, there's the 2-3, but that doesn't have any abilities, whereas Rotwolf can actually gain you card advantage sometimes. The thing is with, uh, you see, I don't like Artful Dodge, because most of the decks play 4 Inkmoth, 4 Blighted Agent, 4 Glistener Elf. The only thing that Artful Dodge is good on is Glistener Elf, because most of the time um, Inkmoth Nexus is going to be unblocked. And Blighted, Blighted Agent is unblockable. If you're playing Unsummon, which I think is better than Vapor Snag in the deck, and Apostle's Blessing, then the Artful Dodge really doesn't help you. You're much better off replacing that with, like, a Ponder. Well, I mean, the Artful Dodge helps with the, um, the Blight, um, the, the one in a green with Regenerate, Blight, um, Blight, Blight Mamba. Yeah, the Blight oh, Mamba play, gets through, and the, um, uh, the artifact that gets plus two, plus two whenever it's blocked. It seems like you're playing way too many creatures. 
Um, not real. I mean, I'm playing a bunch of creatures and a bunch of spells, and then four lime wire, live wire, lime wire. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Let's make a margarita. Um, <laughs> no, live wire latch and uh, four wild defiance, and then I'm playing some apostles blessing and some uh, artful dodge. And mutagenic growth and titanic growth. Right. No. Well, I said I said about half and a half, like creatures and pump spells. So. Okay. Have, uh, have any of you? Have any of you thought about just going straight? Black green, in fact, because Phyrexian Crusader seems like it could be really good right now. Or Phyrexian Fat Mother with a Rancor would be, nah. Anything with a Rancor is, nah. Yeah. That, that changes into a mid-range spec, though. I mean, if, if I were going to do that, that's a whole different build, and that's a whole different strategy. Well, the great thing about Phyrexian Crusader is it dodges um, Champion of the Parish, it dodges O-Ring, it dodges Bonfire, Pillar of Flame, it has first strike, so pretty much anything that gets in front of it can block it. I mean, if you put well, rancor on that, yeah. well, it's yeah. going to stop it. Yeah. I mean, blue, Blade, of course, can bounce it, but, I mean, Blade, creature... Blade, a token? Uh, you still yeah. beat it. Well, yeah, you'd, you'd trample over for one if it's got a rancor on it, but they trade, right? Well, hopefully you'd well, have not, some Not if it has first strike. Oh, no, because uh, the Crusader has double strike. The Blade Splicer token I'm talking about. Yeah, the, doesn't the Blade Splicer token usually have first strike? Yes. Yeah. But Phyrexian, so they trade. Yeah, Phyrexian Crusader also has. Well, it has double strike, right? No, first strike. If it first had double strike. strike, it would be broken. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of Mirren Crusader. Which can't be rancored. Ha ha. So, I played FNM. I don't want to talk about it. Um... The week before that, I played Unwinding Clock Tezzeret at FNM, which I, I wrote about in my... No, oh, wait a minute. That was a week before that. The week before last, I played uh, Travis Wu's combo build, uh, which is absolutely hilarious. Uh, the, the article's up on Mana Deprived. I called it the summer of swinging for 69, because I actually did attack for 69 in one game. Uh, Craterhoof Behemoth is stupid. The card is not remotely fair, especially when you're playing Soul of the Harvest. Can I just say, Crater Hoof Behemoth, my boyfriend called that, like, before the pre-release. He acquired every Crater Hoof Behemoth known to anyone at the pre-release because he said it was going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I was picking them up, too. I only have two because I only need two. I'm not a value trader. But um, I really did uh, enjoy playing it in Primal Surge. I'm playing it in a deck that has, like, 16 one-drops and 16 three-drops that all produce mana. Is just so crazy. And Soul of the Harvest, that deck is that card is going to go places, uh, especially when Primeval Titan ro rotates out. It becomes probably the best six drop in green. I really enjoy playing that. Uh, being able to Green Sun Zenith for eight and drop a Crater Hoof and attack for forty odd. Bonfire didn't really blow me out. It blew me out in the last round uh, when I basically he basically had to top deck it and did. I mean you can't really play around that. You just have to hope for the best. The only thing that I really had trouble with was uh, the old aggro deck enemy of Gideon, Jura, and Day of Judgment. And I, I wrote about this somewhat. With Gideon, you have to extend so that you can do enough damage to him that he doesn't just keep going plus two and blowing it and, and just nullifying all your attacks. And then you walk straight into the Day or the Terminus, which they're also holding. Uh, so that, that makes it really hard for an aggro deck to get anywhere. But that's, uh, that's always been the case with aggro. So, uh, enough about me, though. Travis. Yes. Have you been playing any magic at all? Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit? 
Okay, lad, perhaps you should tell us what you've been playing, lad. I went up to GP Columbus yesterday, and I guess by saying just yesterday, you can tell that I did not make day two. So you scrubbed out and went four and five? I went six, two, and one, and lost in the playing in. You are now officially the person with the best Grand Prix record of anyone on this podcast. Well, I've made day two once. Does that increase my stature? Oh, my God. He's like a hero to us. Yeah, but well, not not while you were on the podcast. Like, as soon as you get uh, on the uh, podcast, it just makes you bad at magic. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how it works, right, Chris? No. That's I why can Chris... see the depreciation of my skills. <laughs> no, apparently Chris was bad at magic before. I'm actually good at magic. I just don't care. Okay, I so the podcast fun. makes you think you're good at magic while actually being bad at magic. <laughs> so funny. So, Travis, it was modern. Uh, I know you were talking about playing Death Cloud. We brewed it on the podcast. What uh, What did you end up playing? I ended up playing Niapod. I tested it some a couple weeks beforehand, and it was just... It's one of the most fun decks I've ever played. Uh, it can go aggro, it can go combo, it can do the mid-rangey, gain 20 life with... Uh, Kitchen Finks being blinked by angels, um, and it uses Birthing Pod, and I absolutely love Birthing Pod. I did make some tweaks. I modeled it initially off one of the uh, Grand Prix Yokohama, was it? the One of the Japanese yeah. Grand Prix that was modern. Um, I added Zealous Conscripts, and if you're not playing Zealous Conscripts main in that deck, you're wrong. It, it was the best card in the deck for me many times. It won me probably three or four games in at least one match. Being wow. able to tutor up a Zealous Conscripts against Jun, I stole Olivia, used Olivia to shoot down his uh, Dark Confidant so he didn't have any blockers and attacked for the win. Uh, against Tron, I stole an Eldrazi and attacked for the win. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Olivia in Modern? Yeah, some of the Jun decks play one. Uh, I guess against Tron, so they can steal an Eldrazi, maybe? They play it main. Um, I, against Tron, it can do that. Against... Um, I mean, if you get the mana, it can steal the combo pieces from the combo decks. It shoots down birds. It shoots down uh, hierarchs. It's not bad. Well, I mean, sure. It's just not something I'd ever seen in a Jund list before. Is this new to you as well, Will, or am I the only one? No, I've seen it played as a one-off. It's like that utility card. It's just kind of there. In the matchups I saw it with, it was... If I didn't answer it right away, I was probably going to lose. Like, it really depends on what, what meta you're expecting, right? Like, I know if you're expecting a bunch of Affinity, then it gets... Like, Affinity just rolls over uh, Olivia, generally. Unless you can, say, have enough to, like, stave it off. But no, it, it's it's a card that, you know, if you're actually a smart player and you play it at the correct time, it can significantly alter the game if they don't have an answer for it. It takes out Opposing Confidants, it takes out Grim Lava Mancer, it takes out Birds. I mean, it takes out so many things... Um, and not to mention if you manage to untap with the, the mana to take something like a Eldrazi. Yeah, that's pretty disgusting. I mean, obviously, stealing an Eldrazi is always going to win the game. Yeah, my opponent was not happy to see Conscripts off the top to take his Eldrazi. Which one? It was, must have been Ulamog, was it? Uh, Kozilek. I thought they didn't play Kozilek because, it, A, it's not indestructible, and, B, it doesn't actually win you the game. This was a the, this was round one, and it was a fairly interesting red-green tar- Tron deck. It also ran Duplicate. I've seen Duplicate in, in the board for Tron, actually. This one had it main. Wow. It had it, it ran Kozilek and uh, Emrakul. It wanted an earlier Eldrazi they could get out, you know, turn three or four. <laughs> turn three or four Eldrazi. Yeah, something's just wrong with that sentence, you know? Yeah, game one... 
it was fairly disgusting. I had the combo set up to go off on turn four, and the guy draws tr- the natural Tron on turn three, plays turn three Karn, uh, and gets rid of my birthing pod, so I attack and kill it. Plays turn four Karn, and this is without having drawn anything that is natural cards. Um, kills another creature. I flash in a, an angel and kill it. Turn five, plays Oblivion Stone, nukes my board. Turn six, plays another Karn. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and that's that was how I drew the very first round of the tournament, and that wasn't fun. Oh, man, that's crazy. So six, two, and one. Uh, any other epic stories? Uh, I got my first loss at around uh, around around four, and from that point on, I knew it was if I lose another one, I'm not going to make it. So every round, one of my other guys in my playgroup, um, who was also at four and two at the time, I think, uh, we would we sat out in the hallway, and we sort of tried to cheer each other up to think, saying, you know, you just got to keep winning, got to win one more, one more, one more. And we got to that final round. I drew another Tron deck, which is my worst matchup, and I didn't make it, and he did. And um, I think if you go to the main page right now, you can see him hosting the trophy. So your friend won. And Will's friend lost in the finals. Yeah, and then right before I left, I was going to stay and uh, play day two, even though they didn't make a side draft and stuff, but I just got so down after losing. I took my hands and wiped them on his shoulder and said, here, you can have what's left of my luck. And he had a great string of luck that second day. Oh, did he have Just watching him. The guy was basically changing his underwear after every round. It was really tense. It was made for great to, uh, well, not television, a great webcast to watch. Um what was the semifinals? He had Jun had him dead on the board, and it came down to a top deck for confidant. And the guy couldn't he have killed his own confidant? I don't think he had any way to kill it. Because there was a lot of talk on Twitter about how he misplayed the Jun player misplayed in game three, and I I didn't see it. But then again, I don't know anything about playing Jun. So, well, did you you weren't watching, so you wouldn't have seen it. Uh, no, I was not. So, not sure I, what it is. I mean, there's always some way to kill Confidant, right? I don't think it was the gem player. I know somebody he played against, um, they could have killed his cranial plating, and instead they killed his Ink Moth Nexus. So he was able to equip the plating to something else later and win. Okay. I mean, the last three or four rounds he had were just... Every single game came down to, well, he has to draw something to, to win, and he did. Or his opponent had to draw a blank. Uh, it was again. That was it. He, the the mono red player misplayed. The mono red player could have got him to one, and when he finally got enough damage to kill him. And I think like ninety nine percent of the cards in the guy's deck would have taken him out. And he drew Grim Lava Mancer, the one card they wouldn't. Pretty crazy, but yeah. Sometimes you need a bit of luck to win a big event, and he got it. So. And like Lucas is going to the World Cup to represent Canada, so it's not like he's. And he won like twenty five hundred bucks or something. So it's not like he had a bad weekend, right? No, he didn't. I mean, you know, obviously, no offense to Travis's buddy, but you kind of want your buddy to win for, over someone else's, right? Of course. And I'm sure everybody was rooting for uh, Affinity to lose. Although, I mean, well, it's not like people love Delver, I guess. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. There's a lot of people who don't want any sort of Delver deck to win anything ever. Right, but I think like the hate for Affinity is much greater than Delver. Like Affinity is like the original everyone hates a deck. As far I'm trying to think, I don't think there was another deck before Affinity that was as loathed and hated. 
And Jacob's build almost goes back to some of their early versions of Finney. He was running Shrapnel Blast, and it came up huge in uh, the top eight in two or three games. I mean, he won because he had Shrapnel Blast. I know uh, when he was playing Delver, they had the shackles, and both times he tried, they tried to shackle his creature, he uh, sacrificed it to Shrapnel Blast and managed to give him an extra ten damage. Yeah, an extra ten damage. Just let that sink in. Doing an extra ten damage. It's pretty stupid. Uh, let's talk about some of the other... Deckless. I don't want to spend too much time on Modern, because it's not a huge format, but the top eight uh, was Jund, four Delver lists, or th- uh, three or four Delver lists, mostly red, white, blue, but there was a Rug Delver as well. Uh, and the rest of them were Pod, I believe, and there was a Tron list as well. There was well. a Tron list. There was one Birthing Pod list. There was a Mono Red. Oh, f- did the Mono Red guy make top eight? No, wait, you're right, he didn't. I'm there was more than one Pod list. Two, I think. I think the two pod decks got paired together in the uh, quarterfinals. Two of the Delver decks got paired together. So, I mean, the pod lists, they developed a little bit. Channel Fireball added blue for Glenelendra, Archmage, Phantasmal Image, and Deceiver Exarch, uh, just to give them a bit more flexibility, which I thought was quite interesting. It also let them go off with, uh, I think, a one and a two drop. They could pot away the two drop for a... um, XR, take the XR, untap the pod, pod away the one drop for a phantasmal image, image copy the XR, untap the pod, pod away the uh, the imaged XR to get restoration angel, angel to copy, to blink the XR, untap the pod, and then take the angel turn into Kiki Jiki and make infinite XRs. The deck sure. is stupid. It's so easily redundant. I loved playing it. It was so much fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I don't like the deck in some ways, but the fact that it exists and it's an entirely creature-based combo is kind of funny. Because uh, it's, it, it's inherently fragile. Like, all parts of it, especially Kiki-Jiki, can be killed by pretty much anything. Right. But the the thing is, most people try to side in either they'll side in either artifact hate to try to take out birthing pod, or um, torpor orb. But it's so easy to play around those because the creatures are. I mean, they've got three power. That's enough to take somebody down pretty quickly, especially when they're taking four or five damage a game from their lands. And restoration angel flies. Does it an angel that flies? You know what I never understood? How come fallen angel could still fly? Well, she had to have a sacrifice first, didn't she? No, didn't she always fly? Let us perform the looking up of the card. To the Googles. Da-da-da. While we're doing this, we should move on to um, the SCG Open, which happened this weekend in Las Vegas. Fallen Angel flies on her own. I was so almost there, and just not quite. Unfortunately, I, I just couldn't find a cheap enough flight or the right, you know, schedule. And then my cousins were coming into town and just a number of reasons Ugh. why yeah, I couldn't. Ve- it's Vegas. You just, like, book first class, and then when you get there, you, like, make a whole bunch of money at the tables, and then you're set. The only the only tables that I would have been at were the magic tables. So, yeah. probably that's legal. Probably not <laughs> a good chance that I was going to, you know, make my... But plus, I would have had to, like, take days off and find people to cover, and, and I'm going to Bozeman next weekend for the PTQ, so there's just so much going on, and it was just a bad time. My cousin was coming into town, so, of course, I couldn't, like, leave town and be like, 
oh, thanks. It's, I've been here for 10 years, and you're finally coming to visit me, but I'm not going to be here. Sorry. You know, I, I couldn't do that either, so... So Black Red Zombies won Star City Games uh, Las Vegas, played by Han Q. Uh, three blue or blue-white Delva decks in the top eight, as well as three zombie decks, two black-red and one red-black, or one blue-black. And then Nyapod and red-green aggro uh, filled up the rest of the top eight. Delva, I'm getting fed up with seeing this card. Am I alone here? No, well, I was rooting for the zombies, but that's because it was the zombie deck. And so actually, I have, deck. actually, I have no problem with seeing Delver. Like, you can play Delver of Secrets all day. It's the insectile aberration part of that card. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. One one? I don't care. You can have a one one all day. Three two flyers? Uh, no, now I have a problem. Yeah, when Jeff well, Goldblum becomes the Grendel fly, it's it's not fun. <laughs> even even a three two flyer on turn eight, you know, if I lose to a three two flyer that starts on turn eight, I'm probably bad at magic. But this is Wildly Puddle was so good that they banned it in modern, and instead they gave it flying and put it in blue for standard. <laughs> but they did take away a point of toughness. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> what what creatures are there with flying that are blocking it in modern? Angel. Uh, yeah. Restoration Angel's pretty much it, I think. And, like, they like, just printed that. I really can't think of another one. Vendillion Click would be the other one. Well, well Vendillion Click. Is that with Vendillion Click, it's also being played in the same deck that Delver's being played in. And it's a legend, so if they play theirs, yours goes away, and then they attack you with Delver, and you die. Fun times. Is it? No. Nah. <laughs> I was up playing Magic. So were there any innovations in any of these decks? I'm going to bring up... Black Red Zombies is pretty much kamikaze, as Smitty built it. Uh, this one, I don't see any innovation. Highborn Ghoul is being played. Is Brimstone Volley uh, widely accepted? No. Uh, neither is Bonfire. Well, Bonfire has started to be widely accepted since people realize the card is just stupid. There's a ninth place deck, the three-color control, that has Thundermaw Hellkite. Three of them, in fact. Yes, three of them. Um, how can you call this deck control? Uh, well, if you just stuff up the board with all the fatties, they can't play anything. Sure they can. <laughs> I, I mean, do you seriously look at this? I'll read you the list. Four Blade Splicer, three Phantasmal Image, four Restoration Angel, two Snapcaster Mage, one Sun Titan, three Thundermore Hellkite, three Desperate Ravings, two Dismember, three Bonfire, two Devil's Play, two Pillar of Flame, four Ponder, two Whip Flare, and then your land base. And in the board, you've got Sun Titan, Celestial Purge, Combust, Divine Offering, Mana Leak, Surgical Extraction, Day Judgment, Ghost Quarter. Shouldn't Desperate Ravings be either Wild Guess or uh, Faithless Looting? Yes. Well, I don't like Faithless Looting. And Wild Guess is double red, which in a three-color deck is kind of hard to hit. But I do not like Faithless uh, Desperate Ravings at all, especially in a deck where... You know, you could be discarding something that Sun Titan can't get back, and you're only running one Sun Titan. You could just be discarding something that you're not going to need. Yeah, you could also be discarding the one thing you do need. Like, I don't like Desperate Ravings at all. Oh. Um, I don't know, Wild Guess... On the plus side, I'm sure you like this deck because there's no, uh, wow, Delver of Secrets in it. Which I don't understand how it can be controlled. Like, if it had Delver of Secrets, then yeah, it's control all day. No Delver Secrets <laughs> can't be control, especially with eighteen instants or sorceries. Probably too 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 few. 
to be uh, uh, to have Delver. You want at least a third of your deck to be instants and sorceries to be able to reliably flip it. Yeah, but you're playing Bonfire of the Dam, so you can go turn one, ponder, turn two, two Delver secrets, turn three. Oh look, reveal Bonfire. I guess I'll Bonfire you for like one, and then attack you for six. What up? And yeah, then your opponent yeah. has free reign to kick you in the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think if you reveal Bonfire the Dam for Delver. You flip two of them because of it, yeah. On turn three. <laughs> you're allowed one free kick in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed, uh, I don't know. Th- like, I don't. It's not that I don't like the deck. The deck looks interesting, and I mean, it just wins through value, I guess. But it, this is not control. This is mid range, isn't it? Would you call that a mid range deck? Yes. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, that's what I would call it. Yeah, I mean, it's right. like mid range creatures, and then you know, some bigger creatures. But but really, that's how it kills you. Is it just stabilizes the board and then creatures you out? Well, it doesn't even stabilize the board. It makes you stabilize the board or die. Really, the only thing it stabilizes with is bonfire or whip flare, I guess. Well, I mean, if, if if your if your opponent starts out and they're playing, you know, some sort of an aggro deck, and they play out, maybe they're playing green aggro, so they play a couple of little creatures in the beginning, and they're kind of attacking and attacking. Well, as soon as you play your big creature, you stabilize the board because they can't attack into it because you'll just kill it. That's the, what I mean by stabilizing the board. The big the thing with this deck is it has it has the danger of drawing the wrong half of its deck early on because it's got stuff to to clear the board early and then it's got stuff to win the game um, and if you draw the stuff to win the game before you can cast it well then you're in trouble. So what would you change here, Will? Basically, if you were to change this uh, deck to play it at F and M, guys, what would you change? I would make Desperate Ravings either Wild Guess or Faith of Sleuthing. Okay. Well, what would you do? Probably take out the two whip flares, put in some, I don't know, something else. They don't really seem, I, like, I realize that it only kills your blade splicers. It, no, it actually it kills your snapcaster mages as well. I don't think you're too terribly worried about that most of the time. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, my standard knowledge probably isn't where it should be right now, but I think it seems kind of a bit underwhelming in this deck. What about you, Adina? What are you changing in this? Yeah, I agree with Will. I mean, I think Whip Flare could be good in certain matchups, so it might be a, a sideboard card. But, I mean, you're not going to want to play that, for example, if you're playing against a zombie deck. You know, especially if they already have a Blood Artist out, then, you know, you're going to wind up doing a bunch of damage to yourself. And, yeah, yeah there, it's, there are definitely going to be situations where it's not a good card. Um, there are going to be situations where it's a great card, and those are, you know, or if you're playing against another deck where they have all big creatures, whoop-de-doo, you just did two damage and they all live through it. So, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of potential for that card to just not be good, so maybe maybe put that in the sideboard. To me, there's a glaring omission here, and it's Zealous Conscripts. I don't see how you play this deck without Zealous Conscripts. That's what's missing from it. Yeah. I will agree okay. with that. That that just seems to fit right in here. Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm, I don't mind the whip flares. Uh, I don't like the desperate ravings, but I guess I can I can live with it. And I also don't like the lack of terminus in the board. This deck just seems really bad against zombies. You've got two pillar of flame between main and board, and two celestial purge that will take care of their threats. And I think terminus would probably be a better bet, at least in the board instead of the day of judgment, maybe. 
It depends on the meta, I guess. If you're not expecting a lot of zombies, and I mean, we can look at this tournament and see that zombies was all over the place, uh, then I guess it's a fair uh, omission, but it certainly looks like the wrong call. I mean, in the top 16, there were one, two, three, four, five, well, four in the top 16, and then another one in 25th. So, I mean, 25% of the top 16 meta. It's not really surprising. And 50% of the top four. Yeah. So, there we go. The top four was all Delver and Zombies, by the way. Yeah, it was Mono great. Mono Blue Wizards. And, and, the, and the way the pairings went, it was great, because it was like Delver versus Delver, Zombies versus Zombies. So, you knew whatever happened, you were going to see Zombies versus Delver in the final match. So, that was kind of nice to not be watching the mirror match in the finals. And to know in advance you weren't going to be watching the mirror the uh, mirror match. So, before we move on to uh, Gavin Verhey's challenge for this week, just a quick question to everybody, Travis. Uh, if you go to F and M, what deck would you be taking? I would probably take uh, zombies, just because that I have all the pieces for it. Um, I'm trying to get the pieces for Niapod or Ni- or Red Green Aggro. I finally got my Huntmasters this weekend, so I'm looking into that. But I'm still in zombies right now. Okay. Uh, well, what about you? Something with a Delver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You like to be hated. I don't mind it. But oh, it, it'd it. probably be like, you know, creatures are four Delvers and then a bunch of, you know, instant sorceries. No other creatures are needed. Just so I can go turn one Delver and just kill him with a Delver. Be like, nope, no, I just counter your stuff. I just piss you off, but... You know, you need to not play ponder just so you always flip it naturally, just to make them even angrier. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm pretty good at blind flipping it. Turn one. I just want to play Delver Mill with sort of body in mind and and mind sculpts, just so that I can mill people out. You can play Jace's Phantasm as well for the value. Sort of body in mind actually be pretty good right now. I'm pretty sure it is, because blue, blue and green are all over the place, just not in the same deck. And Dreadwaters? No, that's a draft card. I've won drafts with it, but not in standard. Yeah, there isn't not really a, a huge um, graveyard theme deck right now. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot of people playing anything similar to Frights or you know, anything like that. So maybe the mill the mill strategy isn't as bad as you know. Obviously, if you're playing against decks like that that are trying to get everything into the graveyard, you know you mill them. You're just helping them unless you can mill them really fast. But um, so I have a buddy that yep. plays Splinter Fright deck at F and M, so can't do oh, that. But, well, yeah. yes, you could because you he's doing half your job for you. Yeah, but unless you can like guarantee to like not get fattied out. Normally, you'll just well, get fattied out. Five Five Flyers normally help with that. Plus, you're playing Vapor Snags and Unsummons and stuff because you're playing a Delverish deck. So, you know, Splinter Fright doesn't have Hexproof. Uh, the other thing I'm looking at is Odrek. I really want to build a deck with this guy. He's only three ninety nine in foil right now at Legit MTG. Of course, you can also get him in the intro deck uh, as a foil. And he's Count Dooku, clearly. But I definitely want to give it a shot, and I think if you play, there's a lot of token producers in white right now. If you play red, so you can bond him with a lightning mauler and just blitz them. So I think it's, uh, I think it's definitely worth a shot for for the lols, as they say. 
It just seems to be win more to me. I mean, if you're attacking with four creatures already, shouldn't you be winning? Really? Depends on the creatures, really. Like, I mean, if you go Lingering Souls, and then Odric, or Lingering Souls and Gather the Townsfolk. Well, Gather the Townsfolk turns two, Lingering Souls turn three, and then Odric. Like, that's not enough to win the game right then and there. But wouldn't Soren be better in that case? Uh, maybe, yeah. And he's a 3-4 first striker for four is not bad value anyway. Or Hero of Bladehold maybe would be better. I mean, he, there's this competition at four mana is just so strong and white right now. I mean, yeah. Restoration Angel, Hero. Uh, I mean, if you're going tokens, Soren. That's very true. Post-rotation, of course, the only one of those that will still be around... Uh, the only one that goes, actually, is Hero. But I don't think Restoration Angel goes in a tokens build, so you can kind of eliminate that, but... Sauron... Well, I mean, if you're playing tokens, like, aren't you also playing Blade Splicer? And Angel and Blade Splicer go together like, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. Peanut butter and chocolate? Ah, uh, <laughs> get out of my head. <laughs> and I I've beat you to it. for a long time about a birthing pod deck that just runs up the human chain, because there's a human at every drop except two that brings dudes with it, or that when it dies it gives you dudes. Like, you can get Doom Traveler at one... Uh, two is your weak spot, but at three you've got Blade Splicer and the Attended Knight. At four you've got Hero of Blade Hold. Uh, you've also at five you've got Geist Honored Monk. At six you've got Captain of the Watch. Well, and at seven you have a little pod list that I posted on Mana Deprive last year. It does. That's what it was doing. It was going up the Humans Chain, and now it has Restoration Angel. I haven't updated it since it kept printed. Could be fun. So while we're brewing. This week, Gavin has posted a challenge to brew a standard deck with no restrictions. Uh, restrictions breed creativity, so it's a bit of a shame there's no restriction on this. But since we have uh, since we have quite a good record with uh, with submissions to Gavin's column, I think we'll give this a shot. And uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm hinting at, Adina, maybe you could uh, enlighten the listeners who might have missed it. Sure, uh, Gavin Verhey on the Mothership. DailyMTG.com website uh, has a column called Reconstructed, which is all about deck building. And every week he puts out a challenge to his readers so that they can submit decks. And then he picks out a few of those decks, um, decides on one that he's going to write about and tweak and make some changes. And then he publishes an article about that. And then he usually lists some of the runner-up decks down at the bottom. Yeah, Do drop, don't they have the white zombie that when it dies, it comes back? Or the white human that when it dies, it comes back? Lord that Kappa? Yeah, that thing. Yep. That would work. Yeah, chaining that um, into, Bur- into Blight Splicer, into Restoration Angel would be fun. Yeah, fun times indeed. To just finish up on what Adina was saying, the one of the first weeks we decided to include this as a regular segment in our podcast, in fact, the first week, we brewed up a Battle of Wits deck on air, submitted it, and Gavin selected it as one of the winners, I guess, for that week. So it was featured in his column, along with a link to the podcast. Uh, so that was uh, quite the feather in our cap, and an item ticked off the podcasting bucket list for me. And some of our listeners may have been brought to, to this podcast bum then. Yeah, so welcome. Um, hopefully we haven't scared you off yet. We're trying. So this week, we're going to brew something standard. And uh, one of the things that I've been talking about a little bit on Twitter uh, is is an infinite combo in standard, which is normally a bad thing or uses bad cards. I mean, there's quite a few. There's one with uh, Palladium Mir and what's the one that... uh, Mir Galvanizer, the one that untaps all your other Mir. That's 
pretty bad. It uses bad cards that don't really win the game on their own. This one is basically a Bant Pod deck that by shoehorning in a couple of marginal cards that you know aren't necessarily great on their own but do good things can just go off and, and do infinite. So what we're doing is mixing is the combination is uh, Deceiver Exarch, Deadeye Navigator, and Lotus uh, Gilded Lotus. So in case you haven't figured it out, you bought you bottomed Deceiver Exarch to Deadeye Navigator. Tap your Gilded Lotus for three blue. Activate the Deadeye Navigator to blink the Exarch. It comes back in. You untap your Gilded Lotus. And you gain a blue mana each time you activate. Now, once you've done that infinitely, you have a few choices. You can either, on the last one, tap it for three white and cast, say, a Blade Splicer or a... Um, stop, thing. Or you can tap it for three red and cast a Zealous Conscripts, which also, by the way, goes infinite. Or you can uh, cast a Restoration Angel. Basically, anything that can make you uh, infinite creatures. Uh, they don't necessarily have haste, but there's also things that you can do to cause uh, to deal damage. Play an Inferno Titan. You could play an Inferno Titan you could and play bomb that. Could you play a Blue Sun Zenith and mill them out? You could, but normally Blue Sun Zenith isn't run in pod decks, so that's something you'd have to consider. Uh, Zealous Conscript seems like the most fun because you could steal all of your opponent's permanence by blinking it infinite times with the Deadeye Navigator, and then just attack. Uh, help me out. Now, what else could we do you, with this infinite map? You can also blink all of their creatures after you've stolen them, and thereby keep them forever. You probably won't need them forever after that turn, because they're probably going to be dead, but... Well, you couldn't, could. because you couldn't pair them with the Navigator. Yeah, but you can steal them off keep with Zealous Conscripts. You can steal them, yes, but you can't keep you can't blink them, so that wouldn't necessarily you know you can't keep them forever, but you can certainly steal all of their land and all of their creatures. Oh yeah, why but if you go, if why you can't go, you blink them while you control them? I'm confused. Because you can't bomb them; they don't enter the battlefield. Well, no, you can blink Dead Eye Navigator. Oh yeah, of course. I never thought of that. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, tap it for three red, cast Deadeye Navigator, um, steal all of your permanents, blink them all, keep everything, go. <laughs> yeah. You'd probably want to attack with them first, because once you blink them, they don't have haste anymore. I don't think it matters. I think it's more demoralizing <laughs> to keep them, blink them, and then pass the turn so they have an empty board, and all they have is whatever cards they have in hand to uh, sweep the board before you just kill them. Better hope they don't miracle a terminus or something. Well, they couldn't because they wouldn't have any land to play it. They, you can't pair the land with the Dead Eye Navigator. Steal, yeah, I was gonna say you can't steal their land with the Zealous Conscripts. Yes, you can. You can steal their land, but you can't uh, blink the land again. Keep control of it. Oh Wait, yeah. How do you? I'm confused. How do you steal their land? Conscripts it says target permanent. permanent. I thought it was target creature. Wow, I have not known that card for a really long time. Yeah, I used well, to yesterday to steal corn twice. Lol. No, see, I, I think it's more just 
demoralizing if you can, you know, produce a ton of mana and then just blink your zealous conscripts on their upkeep with your dead navigator or just steal all their permanents. Be like, on upkeep, I just take your board. <laughs> See, and now I'm thinking of a mono blue build where you just mill them out with blue sun Zena. Are there any artifacts oh, yeah. that you could use a ton of mana on? Because you could also use, like, a grand architect shell for it. Sons of Delirium seems okay. That is true. Sons of Delirium would work. It's not so and you could have Sands of Delirium from earlier on the board. Yeah. Uh, I, d- I think, though, that for, for our purposes, if we're brewing a deck for Gavin, we want to probably try and fit this into either a, a Bant Pod or a Rug Pod shell. I mean, and, unless we just want to go completely rogue and go mono blue, but I don't, I don't think that deck is as consistent. And I, th- so the, the most important thing to figure out is what do we do with the infinite mana? And, and how do we guarantee that we're going to get to it? You know, that's, that's the other thing, is we have to put enough enough fixing in it so that we are guaranteed to draw the pieces that we need. Well, the only thing that we need to draw naturally is the Gilded Lotus. We can pod the rest out. Like, I mean, the funniest part, maybe even funnier than Zealous Conscripts, is Acidic's line. Because that just wins, that just blows off all their land, right? Like, that's perfectly fine. But is there any way... Sorry, go ahead. Would we consider pairing it with black so we could have some way to guarantee uh, they don't have the counter spell for it? If we're, I mean, a, a format full of Delver, Mana Leaks is still going to be everywhere. Well, what are they going to counter? The Gilded Lotus? The Birthing well, then Pod? We just, then we just, well, yeah, if they counter the Birthing Pod, then we have to naturally draw. But if they counter the Gilded Lotus, okay, so you disrupted our combo. Now deal with our Bant Pod deck. They're probably beating you down with 3-2 flyers by then. Technicality. <laughs> Isn't that what we've been complaining about all night? I don't know. I, I actually, to be honest with you, I dislike Naya and Naya Pod more than I dislike Delvadex. You wound me, sir. I can't really come up with a logical, sensible reason for that. I'm just fed up with losing to turn one birds, turn two blade splicer, turn three strangleroot guys, attack for five. It's just it's just boring to me to play that deck. But that's neither here nor there. So what we're doing is we're taking a good deck and we're making it not as good? And what does that mean, Will? We can last Delit! I just like doing things that are fun. I mean, I don't think... Dead Eye Navigator is already seeing play in some BAMP pod lists. Uh, it, it was it foreword a daily on Modo... And I'm pretty sure I saw it in the top 16 of an SCG as well. Uh, just because it enables you to get so much value out of the stuff that you're already getting value out of. And I mean, with Thrag Tusk? Stupid! I think by adding one or two Gilded Lotus to the deck, you don't actually lose that much. It takes out some of the marginal creatures. Stuff like, I don't like Fiend Hunter in the deck, for example, because you potentially get blown out by someone removing your Fiend Hunter at an inopportune time is way too high. What if we put it into a more bluey kind of deck that had um, Trading Post? I love Trading Post. What are you looking to do with it in this list, though? Well, I mean, it just it has a lot of different uses, different things that you can do. Um, so, I don't know. It just it'd be interesting. You know, you're looking for interesting things to do and fun things and crazy stuff. It'd be a way to get your uh, uh, Goated Lotus back from the graveyard if it's been countered. Yep. Sure, but I don't think that's enough 
reason to play it? I mean, yeah, you can sacrifice well, yeah, but creatures. If you don't have it, then yeah, you can do other things, sacrifice creatures, and you know, all, and yeah, there's there's other things you can do. But what what, are, what things does it do that we want to do? Well, it depends on what else we're doing in the deck. That's what I'm saying. You know, if we're if we're, I mean, are are we absolutely sure that we're going to go with a a bant pod and just stick this combo into a bant pod, or do we want to start with the combo and build a deck around it? So that it's actually a deck about this combo instead of another deck that we just shoved a combo into. Okay, well, if we do that, if we do it as a another, de- if we do it just for the combo, then we want blue-red, I think, because red enables you to uh, add zealous conscripts to untap your lotus, so you have two ways to do it. Or maybe even a fireball is another one, you know, a, a win- something to do with all that mana once you have it. I think I'd rather bonfire. use Volcanic... I'd, well, Bonfire is definitely a four of. I think I'd rather use Volcanic Geyser because of the fact that it's an instant. Sure. And that way you can do it when if they ever tap out or tap low, thinking that you don't have it, or they do it to try and destroy your Lotus, you can go off in response. Sure, that works. What? I'm pouring through Gatherer now, now for things that cost X or big artifacts that we could use in it. We're talking now about making it blue-red and just going with the combo and building around the combo. I thought we were always making it blue-red. No, we were talking about Bantpod to start with. What? That doesn't have red in it. How can we have Zealous Conscripts without red? <laughs> Welcome back, Will. So if we go blue-red... Like, how can you have eggs in the morning without bacon? That just seems wrong. How can you have bacon... I don't have, have bacon ever, so you're just yeah, you're lost me ever. on that one. <laughs> So, if we go blue-red, we get Blue Sun Zenith, Bonfire, Volcanic Geyser, Sands of Delirium, all as potential finishes. Anything else that springs to mind? Red Sun Zenith. Derp. Magma Quake. No, that doesn't finish anything. (laughs) It gets rid of Planeswalkers and your creatures. Whoop-a-dee-doo. Well, you can, like, super troll them then, right? They're like, you're like, look, I have this combo that can go infinite. If you want to scoop. And they're like, no, I'm not going to concede. So you're like, fine, I'm just going to wrath my board. Your turn. You know what would be funny, though? If we do add, if we could just play white and just infinitely blink Stonehorn Dignitary. I'm pretty sure there's some other deck that already does that with Vents. But well, no, because it's got Vents, so it's turn. not mono-white. And it does it once a turn, not, every, not 17 times a turn. All right, anyway, regardless, blue-red. How many finishes do we want? I don't. I don't feel like we need... Red Sun Zenith and Volcanic Geyser and Bonfire and Blue Sun and Sands of Delirium. Uh, Blue Sun is probably uh, the best, not only because it's harder to deal with than damage, but also because it can help you draw into the combo. I would agree. I would say at least two to three of this. And Bonfire is an automatic four of. Right. I mean, even if you draw that early or if you miracle it, it's you know it's going to clear the board. It's going to do a lot of work for you, and it can also be a finisher. Do we want Sansa Delirium? It seems like... I mean, it's definitely an ex-finisher that if you cast it, most people are going to go, eh, you noob, you're playing Sansa Delirium. And they'll weep when you win. They will do that. Well, I mean, unless they have, like, an elixir of immortality in play. Which won't help them at all if we blue sun them. Well, yes, that's why you go with blue sun over Sansa Delirium. Okay, so... Plus, there's a lot of artifact hate. So, four bonfire, two or three blue suns, maybe? Three. And we'll throw in one or two Volcanic Geyser just for the instant speed. 
And let's not forget that even if we don't have Gilded Lotus, or even if we don't have uh, one of the kill spells, infinitely blinking Zealous Conscripts does let us infinitely steal their dudes. And it is something we can do uh, on their turn, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What other creatures are we putting in? Frost Titan and Inferno Titan seem naturals. Would uh, would you agree with that? If we go the Sands of the Delirium route, do you want to use a Grand Architect? I don't think we're going to go the Sands of Delirium route. It just seems to... Yes, yeah, uh, sentences that start off with... or that contain the words Grand Architect normally don't end well. <laughs> no, I think that Frost Titan taps down their dudes. Inferno Titan is an alternate win condition once you generate infinite mana, so... That's something else that we could consider. And then we can go with, like, a normal counter and uh, kill suite, like, you know, mana leaks, dissipates, negates, because negates are the ones that... Because counter spells are what is going to screw up our combo. Yeah, I think that if, if we have a, a good um, amount of counter spells and burn in the deck, you know, that's going to kind of maintain us and get us to the point where we can play our combo. Because that's the other important thing is, we have to have enough that we can play early game. You know, yeah, Frost Titan and um, Inferno Titan are great, but they're not coming down until around the time when we have enough mana to play our combo. And, you know, that's just something that you're playing because you don't have the combo yet. But, you know, things that are going to get us, things that are going to dig to get us to our combo, as well as, you know, if, we, if we're going to have a lot of spells, we might as well have Rune Chanter's Pike in there because we can always just throw that on, you know, the Deadeye Navigator or whatever we've got you know, and just swing in. So, you know, we definitely want to have things for either if we don't draw our combo or, you know, if we, we need stuff earlier in the game. I don't like Runechanter's Pike in this deck at all. Okay. What about um, Pristine Talisman? That would give us an alternate way to ramp because, I mean, these are really expensive cards, and at the same time, it keeps us alive. And if you do do the Zealous Conscripts version, you can keep on tapping the Pristine Talisman and still permanence equal to the number of blue lands you have. And that may be enough to win. Yeah, that's true. I think that I think some sort of ramp is essential because we like our combo pieces cost three, five, and six mana. I mean, once we hit the lotus, like we hit, we can go lotus, tap it for three blue, deceiver exarch, untap it, and then you know, we, it's basically a free deceiver exarch at that point. What about solemn simulacrum? Um, I mean, it's just generally a good card anyway. But the thing is, in order for it to be awesome, you need to have Deadeye Navigator first. Well, no, not really, I guess. Help me out here, guys. I'm not the only one here. Well, I'm looking, I'm thinking, if oh, we also wanted to go green, green's got great stuff. It's got the ramp. It's got um, Elvis Visionary, so you could draw all the cards you need to do to find your Zealous Conscripts to win. Um, Soul of the Harvest. Uh, with Soul of the Harvest doing it, you'd draw pretty much your whole deck. You is that draw, a May, though? I'm sorry? Is the Soul of a Harvest a May trigger? Yeah, you may draw a card. I'm looking at it. Okay, okay. So, I mean, we could run one or two X spells in that case, other than Bonfire, of course, and just go get what we need. And that would also let us play Rampant Growth on turn two to make sure we get to the mana faster. And Thrag Tusk. And Thrag Tusk is a way to survive. Blinking well, Thrag Tusk? Yeah. That just seems unfair. But do we really want to dip into a third color? Like, are we going to be consistent enough without the third color? I feel like... With bonfire and um, you know, like counter spells, even some point removal and pristine talisman. Plus, we have library manipulation. I I don't know that we will need but a if third the color. Cards we're running are conscripts and bonfire. I think it could work. 
especially if you're running something like rampant growth, to make sure you hit the colors. And solemn. And solemn. What do you think, Will? Are we adding green? Does that sound better? It's kind of like the blue-red version, but I think if, I guess if you add in green, you can, say, add more, um, not stability, but, say, preventative measures to not dying. Uh, it's kind of weird to think that adding a third color stabilizes your mana or makes it more consistent, but in this case, I think I think you've got a point there, Travis, is with rampant growth and the fact that, like you said, we're only the only two red spells we need are single red mana, and we don't need either of them until we're ready to go off. Right. And if we're going off, then we have a gilded lotus that's going to give us triple red anyway on the last time that we do it, so we'll already have the red mana. Yeah. So, we, I think we want to avoid going too heavily into green. Rampant Growth, Elvish Visionary, Thrag Tusk all have single green requirements. Solemn will help us fix our mana, and Blinking Solemn is unfair. Although it doesn't draw you a card, it does just get you, like, More land. Yeah. But Blinking the Visionary would be enough to get you what you need to. Yeah, but and it, it, it doesn't give you a good, you. gives you a good speed bump early in the game, too. For sure. Yeah, you don't really care if you throw that away. There's there's stuff in blue that lets you draw cards, too. I mean, like, Towergeist, for example. Well, I I did a gatherer search for uh, enters the battlefield and draw, and that's why I looked into green. Well, apart from Elvish Visionary, what is that? Griff Vanguard, which is too expensive. Yeah. Um, Phyrexian Rager, which is going to, if you're trying to combo with it, it's going to kill you. Yep. Uh, Mentor the Meek, still going to cost extra mana. Tandem Lookout doesn't really work. Um, nope. Sky Ill School, but that's just more of a cycle. That loots. Yeah. And then Soul of the Harvest, and that's about it. I don't think we need Soul of the Harvest in the deck. I don't think so either. Not at six mana. I think the vision, the Visionaries, Rampant Growth. Um, I mean, it does open us up to additional sideboard cards for mat- troublesome matchups, like uh, Natural Lies or... Um, Ground Seal. Ground Seal. Which also draws you a card, by the way. We can, I mean, if we had to, we could even run Abundant Growth as a way for mana fixing. I don't think that's going to be needed. Um, if we had a way to bounce it, maybe. But in this case, I think... And then we could run maybe six or seven Titans, uh, two Inferno, two Thru- Frost, and maybe one Primeval. What do you think there? Does that sound like a, a decent combination? That would also let us run, like, one Keswick Wolf run as a kill. Oh, yeah, that's a point. Because when you've got infinite mana, anything with a Kessig Wolf run is a threat. And I think with the amount of draw and the amount of fixing we're going to have, throwing in one colorless land won't hurt our mana base too much. Right. right. And plenty of things need colorless mana anyway. So. Everything, for example? <laughs> Just about. That's not true. I'm not stoned. Other lands don't need colorless mana. I'm going to dropkick you. Delver doesn't really? need colorless mana. That would actually that would actually be pretty impressive. Like you have like seen from, me from on how, numerous from occasions. How high are you? Like, do you mean like dropkick? Like you actually physically jumping up to dropkick me, or just kind of like falling from a height that is higher than where I currently am? Because then that's less impressive. You know, we're, more in, painful. we're in blue. We could put Delver in it, you know, just to throw off the opponent so that they thought we were a Delver deck and totally play Someone cut her mic. No, cut her mic. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking privileges revoked. 
While we were uh, away, there was a magic panel at San Diego Comic-Con, and as they did last year, they announced a whole bunch of details about upcoming magic stuff. One of the big things they announced was Commander Arsenal, which is coming out in November, which a lot of people are really excited about. We'll uh, probably discuss that on a, on a later show with some Commander experts. This show, though, what I really wanted to talk about is the news about the Return to Ravnica pre-release. Uh, it hasn't been getting a lot of buzz uh, outside of the day it was announced. There are a lot of people saying they're going to five or six pre-releases just because of how awesome this sounds. So, to give you guys the details, and if you haven't seen the panel, I highly suggest looking at it. Mark Rosewater gets thoroughly uh, confused, and it's quite amusing viewing it several times. What they're doing is Return to Ravnica will have five of the guilds in it. The next set, which is called Gate Crash, which is clearly about Ogre Gate Crasher becoming a planeswalker, will have the other five guilds in it. And then the third set, which we still don't know the name of, will have cards from all ten guilds in it. The first two sets in the block are going to be large sets, and the third one is a small set. For the pre-release for Return to Ravnica, which they also confirmed will be done for Gate Crash as well, instead of just getting your six booster packs and building your sealed deck. What you're going to do is choose a guild from the five that are in Return to Ravnica. Do we know that the third set is going to be a small set? Because yeah, it was announced, because yeah. Oh, it was? Because I was going to say, if we're drafting, you know, triple... If, if uh, Gate Crash is designed to be drafted as triple Gate Crash, then the third set, is that going to be Ravnica and the third set? Or is it going to be um, Gate Crash and the third set, or is it going to be either as far as, like, drafting the third set? Have they explained that yet? It's going to be the first... The return of Ravnica is triple return. Gate crash is triple gate crash. And once the third set comes out, it's one of each. Oh, okay. Cool. So the guilds that are going to be in return to Ravnica are Selesnia, Demir, Azurius, Izzet, and Rakdos. Which leaves... That'd be correct. The other... Which uh, leaves the no, other wait, five. Sorry, you mentioned uh, it's not Demir, it's Golgari. It's Azorius, oh, Rakdos, okay. Celestia, Golgari, is it? And then okay. in Gate Crash, it'll be Demir, Gruul, Orzov, Boros, and Simic. No, there's a whole new slew of mechanics, one for each guild. Yeah, they, no guild is- they, they mentioned that they're not bringing back any of the old guild mechanics. But they all play well with the old guild mechanics. And also, most of the guilds have new leaders. That's all really flavor stuff. What's important for people like us who are hardcore (laughs) pre-releases, you will choose a guild, and you will get a guild box. In this box, you will get a letter from your guild's leader, which is sure to appeal to the Vorthos among us. (laughs) You'll get a sticker, probably with the guild logo on it. I hope so. (laughs) If it's another guild, it'll be awkward. Well, it might just be a Magic the Gathering sticker yeah. or a Return to Ravnica sticker. It's supposed to be a guild sticker. Yeah, You'll I think guild- it's going to be similar to what they did with, you know, when they had the zombie stickers and the um, vampire stickers. So it's probably going to be a sticker intending for you to wear it and represent your guild. You'll get a guild-specific spin-down. Uh, in other words, That's a, a D20 without the numbers correctly distributed. And then you will get five Return to Ravnica boosters, and one guild-specific booster. The guild-specific booster will only have cards from your guild's colors, and it will have your pre-release card, which will be specific to your guild. Now, the key part here is that for the first time ever, you will be able to use your pre-release card in your pre-release deck. 
if you want to. Pro tip, you probably want to. Now, they haven't really de- released details about if they're going to do like points for new guilds. This is a guild-specific achievement card, which some stores use, some don't. But it sounds like it's going to be a really fun thing. And, of course, if you go to five, you'll get all five pre-releases, uh, pre-release promos, rather, and you'll get five guild-specific boosters. So there's a lot of potential here to enjoy the uh, pre-release in a different way. What are you guys? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? You think you like what they're doing here? Yeah, I think it's really cool. This, finally, letting this play with the pre-release card is a big step forward. Definitely, going to make so many cool. kids happy. And and a lot less confusing to new players too, because here they have this great, awesome card, and the first thing that they're told is, "Okay, don't put that in your deck." And the thing is, most of the pre-release cards have been awesome for limited. I mean, Zathrid Gorgon was the. Uh, M13 one, and that was hilarious in Limited. Well, Moonsilver Spear was the Avacyn restored one. I mean, one of the problems that you had in the past, right, is that the card that you get was not necessarily playable in, say, all decks. But if you're getting, essentially, a guild booster, which I assume is going to be a booster containing only, you know, multicolored cards or cards that fit with your guild, then you're much more likely to build within those colors. I mean, I love pre-releases. I always go to the midnight pre-release. The last couple of ones, I've had to miss a couple of uh, the Saturday one, but I'm hoping that there will be nothing to prevent me going from to all five or six or whatever it is we have. I'm definitely going to five if I can manage it, so I can play each guild once. Well, see, I'm I'm gonna try and do the exact same thing because we have six around, so there's five and then like a two HD. So I get to see all. Uh, the one person I know who will not be playing all five guilds is going to be Jack, because the guild leader for Azorius is, a, and supposedly the pre-release card, is a Sphinx. So, we pretty much already know that, Jack, if you're listening, buddy, you're stuck playing Azorius for every pre-release. I would just See, like I'm, to I'm point out... I Sharoon would get jealous of that, and he would not be able to play Azorius. <laughs> it's, like, it's like sleeping with your girlfriend's sister, right? Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure all Sphinxes are related. Is that racist? It's you're, you're uh, as a black man, you can say whatever you're, you want. You're treating them uh, as, a, as a family instead of treating them as a species. It makes you a sphinxster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jack is the sphinxster. All right. Uh, I'd just like to point out that it hasn't been confirmed that the pre-release card is the guild leader. In fact, I'd bet against it. Because I'm pretty sure all the guild leaders are going to be mythic. Ooh, it would be really awesome if they gave us Mythic cards again as the pre-release. They gave us uh, I, they gave, uh, Malforger was Mythic. What was Mythic? Uh, Malforger, Malforger, whatever the hell it was. The, the Malfagor. That sure that thing. <laughs> Malforger wasn't that an equipment from the original Ravnica? Well, Malf- oh, Malforger sounds much more awesome than Malfagorger, whatever the hell it was. Malforger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dude, like, English is your first language, right? I don't have the card around me, and I could honestly care less what it does. Can you play your Malforger with Omniscience? Okay. <laughs> Unlike Malforger, which I completely <laughs> ragged, the card is spelled O-M-N-I, which is Omni, and then it has the word science after it. <laughs> okay, well, I... Being am. Omni-science. Right on. Excellent. 
I love this idea for the pre-release. I'm really looking forward to it. Not that I wouldn't have been anyway, but this adds a nice little twist and makes me even more excited to play it. But then again, I said that also about the Hell Vault, and lots of people hated that. So, I don't know. Temper your expectations, I guess. Okay. You know what this means. This means it's time for a random moment of geekery. Well, go! Uh, all right, I actually can't stand watches. I just, like, I have a cell phone. I don't see why I need a watch. I'm Like, I, I in a suit, I'll say sometimes accessorize it, but normally I have a bracelet. But someone sent me this picture of a watch. It's made by Biegert & Funk, which I believe is a German company. I may be completely off on this. Grandmaster uh, yes. Okay, I'm on the website right now. So, anyways, they also make this clock. So, I'll the link to the company will be in the show notes. It's called Clock Two, and instead of having numbers on it, it has a whole bunch of words on it. So, I'm putting the link in the show notes, and it's essentially it has uh, it goes by increments of five, and it tells you the time in. Uh, Letters, so in actual words. Now, I can read any kind of clock, but I just saw this, and I was like, that is actually pretty cool. The coolest watch I've ever seen is the one owned by my store owner, which is a, a um, binary watch. I, I, I actually have a, uh, a binary uh, clock, uh, an alarm clock. I don't have a sweet clue what it says, but <laughs> it looks pretty cool with all the dancing dots. It is. See, I, I like gimmicky clocks like that. The only problem uh, with this clock in particular is that the... I wouldn't buy the watch, but if I were to buy the wall clock or it can be a table clock, it costs over $1,000. So while, I, it, I want while it looks cool, <laughs> it's a little expensive. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> You said somebody bought you this? No, no, no one bought me this. Someone sent me a picture of it, of the watch. Holy cow. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, random moment of geekery. Adina, go! I actually have two this week. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, the first one is a YouTube thing. Um, probably a lot of you have already seen this, but there's uh, Key of Awesome, which they make parodies of all sorts of different songs and they've done a parody of call me maybe. And they've done a parody of the one direction song and they've done like Keisha, and Justin Bieber, and they're just really funny, you know, like any typical parody, just making fun of the song, making fun of the people who listen to the song, making fun of the people who sing the song, things like that. Um, is, it pr- so, is it pronounced Kesha, not Keisha? Or is like I don't know. I don't actually. Keisha. I I've only ever heard of because they did a parody of her. So okay. I don't know. Like, Keisha. Keisha is something you eat uh, with the eggs and the vegetables. Cause right, because I like the Keisha. It's very good. Because I know Kesha sounds much more white trash than Keisha, and this girl happens to be, you know, looks slightly more white trash. I'm pretty sure Kesha is something you put on your fries. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize she was white. I just uh, I haven't no, heard her stuff. Uh, Hey, Chris, Chris, that is pronounced mustard, not what you put on your fries. <laughs> Dude, if you put mustard on your fries, you are doing it very wrong. As long as it's not mayonnaise. Ew. You put okay. gravy on your fries, people. Come on. That is true. Uh, and cheese curd. I can't deal with that. 
that, that I could deal with. Um, so that's the first one. And, but, and by far, my very favorite one is uh, they did a parody of the Maroon 5 song, uh, Payphone. And basically, it was all about Game of Thrones and how the lead singer is going to quit music so that he can, you know, go watch Game of Thrones all the time. So that was pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, and then my other one is Deck Builder. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. This is actually a magic-related one. They do have an app, which I haven't downloaded, so I haven't tried. I've just used their website. It felt like the beta thing up where you can actually build your deck and play a few sample hands. Like, it'll give you a sample draw, and then you can mulligan, and you can, you know, basically construct a deck and then immediately see, okay, what are my draws going to be? And it's just a really quick, really good um, application. So I'm, I'm looking forward. They have an Android version, and they have an iPhone version. And since I have an Android phone, I'm probably going to wind up um, buying the Android version and see how it works on the phone. But it works really well on the computer, and it's free on the computer. Awesome. Travis, random moment of geekery? Okay, my random moment of geekery is a poster. I'm putting it up. I'm just going to read the text of the poster for you. It's from a Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial, a comic strip I read and I absolutely love. It says, You ignore your books if you want. You can ignore your teachers. Go ahead. Coast through class. But one thing is in life is certain. Someday someone will clone a dinosaur. And that someone will be an expert in a million things you think are boring right now. And if you don't study and work and think, one day you'll watch that person saddle up, put on a cowboy hat, and ride a T-Rex from a monitor until your boss asks why you're wasting company time. <laughs> I'm putting that on my daughter's wall. Oh, that's really rather silly. <laughs> okay, my moment of geekery is twofold. First of all, and this is magic related, I've uh, started putting together a Momia Basic cube which is supposed to be hilarious and it's basically the same as Momia Basic on Modo. You put you pay your X mana, discard a card, and get a random creature cost of converted mana cost X. What I've done is just grabbed whatever random foil creatures people had lying around and put them in there to start with. I haven't started sleeving them yet. You need to sleeve each mana cost in a different color. Um but so it's actually a lot more challenging to put together than I thought, because there are a lot of creatures that are just completely useless. You know, like None of the dual face cards can go in, because the token is a copy of the creature, so it won't flip. You can't put in stuff that relies on power and toughness equal to the graveyard, or non-basic lands, or stuff that triggers when it like comes into play works, but when it uh, you can like, return it to your hand or anything like that. So there's a lot of stuff that's just plain useless, and I don't mind putting some of that in, because it's quite funny to, to activate and hit it and it be useless. But too much of it makes the cube pretty boring. Uh, the other thing is, I'm a huge fan of the TV show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Both the yes. British and the American versions were pretty good. The British one, of course, is clearly superior. Um, there's a video that surfaced recently of Colin Mockery, who... Uh, anybody who's watched the show will know is one of the funniest people on it. Although not as funny as the tall Canadian whose name has escaped me right now. Brian. Uh, 
yeah, he's the funniest one without question. Although Wayne Brady is the one that got the biggest jump from the show because he could actually sing. But Colin Mockery has done a YouTube video of him reenacting scenes from Star Wars the way he would have written them, playing with action figures. And I actually came close to wetting myself several times while watching this. The link will, of course, be in the show notes. It's hilarious. Do yourself a favor and watch it right now. That brings us to shout-outs. So, Will, shout-out, sir. To the guy that Travis's friend beat in the finals of the GP, unfortunately, Lucas CL. Good job uh, making top eight and then coming in second. And... To the guys that I actually who actually managed to convince me to show up and play Magic, you guys are awesome, and thanks for uh, inviting me to show up. That it? You done? Mm, why are you expecting a shout out? No, I don't want a shout out from you. Okay, good. Then you're not getting a shout out. Oh, fine then. Adina, shout outs. Uh, shout out to Josh for being here, and shout out to Card Kitty for the image on our website, and shout out to Marknet for hosting our website. Did you and turn around when you gave a shout-out to Josh? No. Oh, you should Why? Have, well, you should have turned out and you've been like, Josh, shout-out to you, buddy. <laughs> I didn't want to wake him up. Oh, okay. um, So, anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, I think that's it. Yeah, that was everybody. So, yep. Okay. Travis, shout-outs? Let's see. Um, shout out to Jacob Menard for winning Grand Prix, Grand Prix Columbus and stealing what little bit of luck I had left. Um, shout out to Kirk Dubay for being a great travel mate up there. Shout out to Billy and Andrew and Joe for being uh, making sure it was a great trip. Shout out to uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say his name like 12 times. Kirk Dubay, Kirk Dubay, Kirk Dubay, Kirk Dubay, Kirk Dubay, because he dared me to do it. Uh, cool. Did you meet KYT and Medina and all those folks while you were there? I'd met Medina before, but I did finally get to meet KYT. Okay. And he's awesome in person. Yes, he is. And he and did he not says, beat whoa. me with a stick for not getting him an article. <laughs> he says whoa a lot. I find that amusing. Did he ask you about the podcast? Uh, I met him right after a match, so the only things that uh, he said I can't mention on the air because he had just played the eggs deck, and he was not very happy about it. He's like, wait, you're uh, the guy who loves squirrels, right? I, I did get the squirrel playmat while I was there. It was the, awesome. the highlight of the day. Did you get it signed by the artist, or was he not there? He wasn't there. I'm going to have to track Ron Spencer down. I've got a bunch of my squirrels signed by him. I need to get more. <laughs> Ron Spencer, if you're listening to this, one of our hosts needs your autograph. Shout-outs. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to KYT, because I haven't for a while. Uh, shout-out to all of the crew at Midgard Games, uh, again, because they continue to amaze me with how awesome my community is. We had a good uh, GPT this weekend. I uh, finally sanctioned, or licensed, or whatever you want to call it, my first level one. So uh, congratulations to Mev, a.k.a. Steve Whalen, for passing his level one test and oh. being a new level one. I know, Adina, you can identify with that. Yay! And also yay to you for testing and and uh, passing. Well, for, test, for being able to test somebody and, and they pass. That's, Good that's a pretty cool feeling. 
Good job. Especially, especially doing the interview and just sitting down there saying, so, why do you want to be a judge? Um, who else do I need to give a shout out to? Well, I can tell people you're doing it wrong! Did you? Did you move? <laughs> uh, no, I don't mention his name if I can avoid it. Uh, shout out to Lucas Cr for uh, t- top eight, top twoing the GP, even if he did get lucky in the quarterfinals because his opponent got a game loss. Four. Deck Reg error. <laughs> it, it was it was spotted by the coverage team who were typing up the deck list and realized he had written chromatic star for uh, eight times. He had eight copies of it instead of four sphere and four star. Okay. So they brought it to the judge staff's attention. They were like, yep, game loss. Uh, who else has been worthy of my shout-outery this week? I don't know if I ever did this, but I want to give a shout-out to Drew Levin. I don't know if he listens, but hopefully this gets to him. I was looking to uh, get some advice on how to get started on Legacy recently, and he took some time to go over how to start building a Maverick what cards to prioritize, what ones I could do without in, a st- in an early meta, because our local group is only just starting to get into Legacy. Nobody really has a fully powered deck yet. And uh, he really took the time to go over that with me. So a big shout-out there and a thank you. Uh, shout-out to Marshall uh, for the great job he did on commentary this weekend. A lot of people did not like it, but I think him and Sheldon, they weren't really familiar with the format, which can be a negative, but I also really enjoyed just their natural awe at seeing some of the games unfold, uh, seeing how the decks worked. It was especially noticeable when the Eggs deck was on camera, and like, Marshall had never seen it before, and he was just, he, he sounded like a kid on Christmas Day. He was like, wow, this deck is sweet. It does this, and then it does that. I mean, I really liked the Eggs deck. Just, just listening to him describe it and commentate on it was infectious. It made me want to play it. Have you seen that deck, Will? Eggs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would have to be yeah. a masochist to want to play that nine round. <laughs> no, it seems like so much fun. The only worst would be playing Scepter Champ for nine rounds. Lotus Bloom is only seven bucks right now. You can get it for $14 on foil, or you can get the pre-release foil for eight fifty. That seems like a good deal. It looks re- Actually, the pre-release looks better than the, uh, than the normal one. Anyway, that's all I have for shout-outs. Anybody got any final thoughts? Modern is an awesome format, and we need more modern tournaments. I would second that emotion. All right, so we'll close it off on that note. So for Will, for Adina, and for Travis, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion. Hell, Rapata.